0: And so uh, we're we're in the series, Lesson 3, and I encourage you to take some notes in your service guide. There's an opportunity there, or download them online, wherever you may be. Uh, The story I tell, and we're looking at the story of our lives. We're looking at the layered story of our lives, because like the graphic that we have for this series, the story of our life is layered, and how we tell the story is layered. Not everybody gets every part of our story. And that's just, that's both smart and just reality. The deepest layer of the story we tell is what we talked about last week. When we, we talk to ourselves. self-talk is heart talk. And, and every one of us talk to ourselves. Uh, we, we, we like to look at the people who talk to themselves out loud and say something's wrong with them. But the fact is, more of us talk to ourselves out loud than we like to admit. We just do it where other people can't see us. But typically, we're talking to ourselves internally, even if it isn't out loud. That's the deepest layer of the story. And, and if we get this layer right, we align our story with his story, and, and it becomes the most accurate story that we can tell ourselves. It helps get the other layers right. But we also know that sometimes the layer inside of us may not be just right, but we can still portray something different. I've I've talked to people over the years that deal with things like drug abuse or alcoholism and and internally they know that it's not good, that it's not right, and they, they know they're struggling with this area of addiction, but they're still what we call functioning alcoholics or drug addicts, where the story that they're telling outside of themselves still looks good, but it's what's internal that isn't working out really right. So if we get what's inside right, then it's going to help establish everything else that goes on outside of our story. And our, the next layer of that story is what the story that we tell our friends and our family, those people that are around us. And we tell a story every single day. And sometimes we tell that story Intentionally. But most of the time we tell that story unintentionally as we simply respond to things without thinking about it, without without really considering some of the consequences or the thought behind it. The story's told through our attitudes. It's told through our words. It's told through our body language. Sometimes the attitude really kind of shifts the verbiage. For instance, You're talking to somebody that you're close to and you tell them your idea or your thoughts on the subject matter. And they say, yeah, of course you're right. You're absolutely right. You're always right. You're never ever wrong. (laughs) I've never had that conversation, but I've heard that other people do. And the words, if you just took what they were saying, then it would just sound great you are right. You're always right. You're never wrong. Oh, that sounds good. But combine it with the attitude, then it's not right anymore. It's not positive. It's not elevating you. You know they don't think what they're saying is true. And so we're always telling a story through all of these areas of our life. And our clearest witness is the story we tell those who are closest to us. That's our clearest witness. See, we're called to witness everywhere. But every witness begins somewhere. And when Jesus is talking to his disciples in Acts 1.8, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Where? In Jerusalem. That's where they were. That's where the witness would begin... In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we're called to be witnesses for Christ to the ends of the earth. Some of the nations that I just talked about—Malawi and Pakistan and other places like that. For some of us, we've never been there. We've never seen that. We've we, we've not experienced that. To to us, that seems like the end of the earth. And I'm and I'm excited. I'm thankful that we get to speak into those places. And for those to whom we're speaking in those areas, that's just called home to be in sylvania would be the ends of the earth to them but to us where they are that's the ends of the earth so where is jerusalem jerusalem for us is in our home and in sylvania and the toledo metro area and I say Toledo metro area because we have people in the room right now. We have people in every service that come from from places like uh out out west in in, in um I'm trying to think of some Delta and, and Wasion and some of those places that drive here to be part of this congregation. And then, then we have people that, that drive from the other side, like, like way, way, they drive way, way, so, so far, like way over the river, like 12 minutes, sometimes 15, they, they, from the east side. If you're not from Sylvania, you don't understand that joke at all, but that's a real problem that we have right now. So, so they drive from places like Oregon and, and Maumee and Perrysburg and stuff, and they come here, so our Jerusalem has expanded beyond simply Sylvania. Now, Sylvania is still our Jerusalem, but for you and I, that's us as a church, but for you and I, it begins. our Jerusalem begins at home with our friends, with our family, those people who we have immediate, consistent contact with. So the first layer of our story that we tell is to ourselves through what we think, but the second layer of the story that we tell is through what we live, and what we do is often greater than what we say. The first aligns our story with God's story, and the second aligns our actions with God's story. And our big idea today is this, that your story is told through your intentional sacrifices and commitments, your intentional sacrifices and commitments, because they, they witness your focus. They witness your worship. To, to worship something means to elevate it above the importance of anything else. To, to worship something says that what he or it or they value becomes a, a director for what I will value and how I will operate. That's why people on social media and other places, they, they're called influencers. And they'll do a video where they're wearing something. You don't know who they are. You don't know what they do. You don't know how they live. But you know that they want to be an influence. And so they get paid to wear stuff and to say stuff in order to try to influence you and I to do stuff and typically buy stuff. They're influencers. Because what they're saying is, this is my testimony this is what I'm witnessing to this is I'm trying to change your behavior by what I'm what I'm doing so I'm I sacrifice my personal life to be a witness for this particular brand or this particular thing Christ has called us to be a witness for him and when we worship Christ we set him above everything else in importance now, sometimes we worship him like, like we're doing right now. We're collectively coming together online and on site, and we're worshiping the Lord. We're, we're, we're clapping our hands. We're singing with our voices. Sometimes we're raising our hands, or there are times when we might dance. If you, if you watch me worship, you're going to see dancing almost all the time because if it just, it's just what I do. So it, all of that is part of worship. But the truth is, it's not regulated or relegated to simply those things. We worship with our entire lives. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. It doesn't say give your bodies to God while you're in church. Give your bodies to God on Sundays between you know, 10 and 12. Give your bodies to God. No, no, no. Give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them, your bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind that he will find acceptable, this is truly the way to worship him. So sometimes people say, well, God cares about my heart. He doesn't care about what I do with my body. The scripture differs. Why? Because your body is how you testify to him how you witness for him what you do with your attitudes and actions and and the the well what you do with your body matters worship is living like God is greater than other things so your intentional sacrifices your intentional commitments tell your story and your quality of life Becomes equal to how well the story is told through your sacrifices and commitments and how they align with what God says. But the issue that we have in humanity, we all have issues somewhere, and the human, the typical human issue here, is that human nature misinterprets our own expressions by overestimating private intentions and underestimating public expressions. I'm going to say it again, human nature misinterprets our own expressions by overestimating private intentions and underestimating public expressions. So we're all telling a story with our lives. And we think that we know what story we are telling. Because we know what story we intend to tell. We know what we're trying to say from in here. But sometimes what's going on in here isn't the thing that is being expressed out there. And so ultimately, we don't always tell the story that we think we're telling. I'll give you an example. A number of years ago, I was talking to a gentleman whose father had passed away, and he was understandably concerned or or upset about what was going on. And, And so as we were talking, and I was trying to console him and walk him through this grief process... I started hearing things from him about how he was a disappointment to his dad. Now, I had not heard this before his father passed, but but now I was hearing this. And so I I started to kind of question into it. Why do you think that you're a disappointment to your father? And what he said was, well, dad worked really hard, always, uh, and, and he missed a lot of stuff with our family. Like, he wasn't usually at family dinners, and, and he, he didn't really spend a lot of time at home. He was always working, and he, he made a good living, and he, he, he did great for our family, and so our family's okay. But, but he always made time for sports. He said he, he never missed a game. And because he never missed a game, and that was typically what he would come to and and be a part of, I played everything. I played played everything that I could get on a team. If I could get on a team, I would play it, because I knew if I played the the sport, then dad would be there. And he said, said, so the problem was, is I wasn't a very good athlete. And so I, I played, but I was never really great at any of them. And so at the end of the day, I know that I disappointed my father. Now, I never got to talk to his dad, but I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that that was not the story his father was trying to express. It's my personal opinion that his father was proud of his son and loved his son. And he, he was, he, in his mind, he was saying, I'm not going to miss a game of my, that my son's playing. And so because I'm not going to miss a game, it's going to show him that I love him. And I'm proud of him. I'm taking time out of work. I'm taking, I'm taking, uh, I, I'm leaving the office. I'm doing anything I need to do to arrange my schedule to where I never miss a game. And so in his mind, he is telling a story, his internal intention is to tell the story son I love you I care about you I'm proud of you but the story that his son was reading was I'm not really good at the sports I'm playing because my dad really wants me to play and he doesn't show up for family dinners he's not there for other things he's not there when I need him in other areas of life and so the thing my dad really cares about is me playing sports and intention of the heart internally didn't translate to this man. Now, after talking with him a little bit, I think that we were able to make some some progress in that. But what really happened here is a, a father overestimated private intentions and to express love and concern and pride for his son, but he underestimated the public expression. That by only showing up for games, he told an unintended story. See, our private intentions are important. Absolutely important. But they don't impact the world around us until our private intention is actually displayed publicly in a way that other people can receive them. How many times have I sat with a couple where one of them is saying, I think our marriage is in trouble. Why? Because I don't think they love me anymore. Do you love them? I married them, didn't I? Well, yeah, you married them. That is true. Well, what? Else? I mean, I go to work every day. I come home every day. Yeah, most, most, most folks do. So, I mean, what else do I need to do for them to know that I love them? You could do things like say, I love you. (laughs) Well, why do I need to say that? Because your internal, your private intention, until it is expressed publicly, doesn't tell the story that you think that it does. It has to, it it cannot be a witness unless expressed publicly publicly so what do you sacrifice for what you what do you really commit to they tell the story of your life years ago I had a guy well it wasn't that many years ago but it wasn't here and so he he said he said uh pastor I I told him I said I haven't seen you in church for a while now sometimes I will say that and if I ever say that to you it's because there are really bright lights in my face right now and I cannot see everybody in this room so you can sleep with abandon. It's not a problem, okay? <laughs> uh, but I can see some people. But I, but I said, I, I, said I, I don't see you. I haven't seen you in church for a while. Now, in this particular case, the person said, well, I haven't been to church in a while because uh, Sunday mornings are the, my, the only time I have to cut my grass. So that's what I do on Sunday mornings. Now listen, if someday you have to cut your grass on Sunday morning, I'm not going to come track you down. okay? And I told somebody here recently, I haven't seen you in church in a while. And they said... Pastor, I am there every single Sunday at the first service. In fact, they were here at this service, and I was able to point them out. They were sitting right over there. Anyway, the, uh, I just hadn't seen them. So this wasn't a condemnation, it was, but he revealed something in that moment. What he said, what he revealed is that cutting my lawn on Sunday morning is simply more important to me than being in worship on Sunday morning. That's what he said. His commitment... And his sacrifice was for the lawn, lawn care, Trump church attendance. So what you intentionally sacrifice for or commit to reveal your true focus and your real worship. And your life is an expression of those things. So let's think about what a witness is. A witness is what we publicly express from our lives. There are attitudes, words, and actions. It is not... What we understand, what we feel, or what we hope somebody will know. It is what we actually express from our lives. And so what they see or what they hear. And you might say, well, hold up. I don't think anybody should, should look at my life and judge anything or, or say anything. But Jesus said. Your Lord, your Savior, my Lord, my Savior said that our lives are to be a witness for him. We can only witness what we see, what we hear, and, we can, and others will only receive a witness that we express. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, was in South, I had to go to South Carolina to be a witness in a death penalty case. And so I was there, and I uh, stay, stayed outside the courtroom. Then the bailiff came and said, Mr. Micah Sutton. So I came inside, and he said, go to the witness stand. So I went and sat down on the witness stand, and the attorney stood up and said, Mr. Sutton, you knew the accused at such and such a time, and you worked with him in this situation, and, and so on. So, and he began to ask me questions. And if I just went like this and had internal intentions... It would have done no one any good. It wasn't my internal intentions that mattered. It was my external expression that mattered. That's what they could type in into the record. That's what the judge could hear, and the jury could hear, and everyone could hear. It was my external expressions, not what I thought internally, not what I hoped internally, not what I felt privately. But what I express publicly. So when something goes wrong in our lives and we privately pray, but we publicly cuss, our witness is cursing. Do we say cussing here or cursing? That's what that's the witness. How about this? When things are good, we may thank God privately. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in my life. But if we publicly brag, look what I have done. And look how, let me just tell you how this all went. And man, I was so brilliant whenever we did then that becomes the witness. When sharing exciting things, we might talk, we might think privately about the stuff that's going on in the kingdom of God or spiritual things or of of things that we appreciate about our friends or our family and those around us. But if what we publicly express is the team's win, the A on the test or the promotion at work, then that becomes the, the, the witness that we actually are. So here's a hard statement. This is a hard statement. I know that it's a hard statement, but I, but under, you know my heart in this moment. But if those closest to you can't see the expression of your witness of Christ, you may not have one. You're witnessing something, but it may not be a witness of Christ. And yet, what Christ calls us to is to be His witness. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. He said, you're supposed to be a witness about me. You're supposed to express me into the world. You're supposed to express the gospel of Christ through your life. That is your calling. That is what the Holy Spirit empowers you for. So a self-identified witness. I just want to tell you, I am a witness for Jesus that nobody else knows about, that no one else can define, if someone else isn't defining you as a witness for Jesus, then you're a self-identified witness for Jesus, which may not be as much of a witness as you hope to be internally. So what you portray externally is the testimony of a life. And Jesus said, be my witnesses. So the focus of our life, is to witness of his life. So here's my thought for you today. Your story is personal, but it is not private. A witness isn't self-focused. A witness receives the information from one place and delivers the information to the other. The witness becomes the conduit of a story... That isn't their own. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and causes us to be witnesses for Jesus, then we receive the power, the presence, and the blessings of God in our life as as the Holy Spirit comes into our world and, and Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And then that becomes the story that we transmit into the world around us through our thoughts and our attitudes and our actions. That's why it matters the words that we say. It's why it matters the things that we do. It's why it matters the actions of our lives, the the decisions of our sacrifices and, and our commitments. And we get frustrated sometimes. We get frustrated because our intentions are misinterpreted, especially by those that we're close to. And we want them to just know what we're thinking. It's your responsibility, Dan, to know what I'm thinking right now. Go ahead. Figure it out. Your responsibility, Don, to figure it out, what I'm thinking. See, I can't see you. You can't sleep. It's your responsibility to know what I'm thinking. And so what we do is we put the weight of responsibility on other people when we say things like, well, if they ask, I will tell them. Here's the problem. They don't think they need to ask because you're already telling them. The witness of your life is already going out there. No one one has to ask because you're telling the story every day through your attitudes, your actions, your commitments, your sacrifices. And so I I don't need to ask about you if I'm observing you daily and what I see tells me everything I think I need to know. I don't know your private intentions, but I do know your public actions. And you know mine. I, I have a problem with pastors who don't want people to watch them or look at them or observe their life or critique their life. I do ask you, be nice. But I shouldn't stand here if I don't want anybody to look at me. If I don't feel like that's my calling, I need to go do something else. So we have to live our lives as pleasing to the Lord. Well, yeah, that's the job of a pastor. That's the job of a believer. Pastors included. Hallelujah. Hallelujah we get frustrated and our plan fails when our expression of life doesn't give a reason to ask because it informs them. Paul wrote this second Corinthians chapter three. He said the only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. I don't need a letter from you. I just tell people look at you. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. What he's saying is, I don't need people to to I don't need you to write me a letter to say Paul's awesome. They're going to look at you and the reflection of our ministry in your life is going to prove whether this is truth or not whether Christ is real or not, whether Christ is glorified, whether the Holy Spirit is within you or not. It is the story that you're telling from your life. And the more someone respects you, the more impact your story will have on their life. So if someone really respects you, and you're saying, I'm a believer, but you're living like you're not, then the more they respect you, the more likely it is they're going to follow your example of not versus your private intention of being a believer. And, and I'm going to say that across the board about many things. Now, our, our primary interest here is on the spiritual things between us and Christ. But it, it, it goes with if I'm going to be generous, if I'm going to be loving, if I'm going to be kind, if I'm going to work with, eth- uh, have ethics in my work life and, and and my career. And if I'm going to, all of these different things, what you say, what you internally say, um, intend is not as important to the people that you that really care about you really respect you as the things that you actually do you're telling them a story true devotion is revealed by sacrifice and commitment over time god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son anybody know that story that verse okay when did he give his only begotten son well he gave his only begotten son pastor whenever jesus was nailed on the cross no Oh, when Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, no. Jesus gave, God gave his only begotten son before the foundation of the earth. Jesus described as the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. Before it ever got started, God said, my kids are going to mess up and they're going to need a savior. And so this is what we're going to do. So Jesus gave his life. When did he give his life? Well, he gave his life when he was on the cross, Pastor. No. He gave his life whenever he was born of the Virgin Mary, Pastor. No. He gave his life before the foundation of the earth. It is sacrifice and commitment over time that shows the devotion that God has to us your sacrifice and commitment revealed over time is the story you tell your Jerusalem your Jerusalem but you might be saying I, I how do, I, I've kind of messed that up how do I get it right how do I get it right here's some questions to ask ready I have four questions. Question number one, does this sacrifice or commitment of time or resource align with my profession of importance or my profession of worship? Profession might be all about God, but my sacrifice and commitment is really about other things. Does it align? Number two, what does this sacrifice or commitment witness to the values of my life? Every sacrifice or commitment witnesses to something. Years ago, a young couple came into the church and they said, hey, we need some financial help. We had a baby, we can't afford formula and we can't afford diapers. And so we said, okay. And so we helped them out. We gave them some money for formula and diapers and, and we helped them. A Couple of months later, they came back and they said, we, have, uh, we need some more help. We can't afford formula or diapers. And so we helped them out a little more. And, and third time they came and I said, hold on, let's look at your finances together. So we sat down and what we discovered was they had like an $800 a month truck payment. It was all jacked up, had great big tires, and and it was all tricked out in all kinds of ways. And and it was amazing. It was a great truck. But baby or truck? I said, dude, you need to sell your truck. Well, I can't sell my truck. You, you, You can't sell your truck. Well, no, I, I got I to get down to the beach and, uh, for fishing, and, and I've got to get up in the mountain for hunting, and, 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 and I've got to, you know, I've got to, I mean, it's my truck, man. Yeah, it's your baby, man. And baby Trump, Trump's truck. To his credit, eventually he did get rid of his truck. And guess what happened? When he got rid of an $800 truck payment, he was able to buy formula and diapers for his child. Shocking. Private intention, my my baby matters more than, you know, my family matters more than anything. Story, my truck is more important. Okay. Some people are thinking, move on, pastor, move on. Number three, have I developed a pattern concerning my sacrifices and commitments? The anomalous thing does happen at times. There's no question about it for all of us. But there's typically a pattern that emerges, And then fourth, what should I change to better align with God's story for my life? And if you say today, I don't want to change anything, well, then you're proving what I'm preaching is absolutely right. This is not about you. If you are a child of God, this is about him and his witness to the world. So I'm assuming a desire to align with Christ today. But these are good questions to ask in your relationships, in your career, this is good, good questions to ask in every area of your life. But somebody might be thinking, well, what if I'm telling the story? What if I'm doing everything I can to tell the story right, to align everything with Christ? And yet the test, and, and I think I'm expressing things the way that I can and the, the only way I know how. And, and man, I, I just, I, you know, I, I think about it. I answer the questions and I come up with the right answers. But yet. I've got friends that that are not coming to Christ, or I've got kids that aren't coming to Christ, or I've got family that's not coming to Christ, or grandkids that are not coming to Christ, or co-workers that, you know, aren't responding the way that I hoped, and so on and so forth. What what do I do then? Well, let me give you a quote from Dr. Christopher Yuan's um, book. He said this, Parents, now this is about parenting, but you can put any of those things into this statement Parents should hope to influence their children for better and not for worse But perfect parenting does not guarantee perfect children Look at Adam and Eve They had a perfect father and were raised in a perfect environment yet. They still rebelled What makes us think that we can do any better? When it comes down to it, the primary goal of Christian parenting is not necessarily to produce godly children, but first and foremost, to be godly parents. To be a godly friend, to be a godly employer, to be a godly employee, to be a godly fill in the blank. Our job is to be a witness. The Father draws, and Jesus saves. Your job and mine is to be a witness. So let's determine to be the best witness we can be, not because we have great intentions, but we we turn those great intentions into public expressions in our lives. That's the story that we tell to friends and family. I'm asking you to bow your heads and prayer partners, would you come forward? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your people and for your word, for your presence in this moment. This is a a convicting sermon today, Lord, but it's also an encouraging sermon. Because you said that you would give us power. Power to do exactly what we're talking about. To tell your story to the world. And so today we ask you that if we've messed it up. If we haven't been telling the story that we really intended to tell but we realize today maybe that's not what we've done then I pray that you would give us the courage to make it right, to get it right and to tell the right story. And Father, if we're telling the story like, you, like it's supposed to be told and yet the response that we're getting isn't what we'd hoped for then I pray that we just keep being the witness for you that you've empowered us to be. Trusting you, Father, to draw Jesus to be the Savior. And our job's to be a witness. We give you thanks and praise for that power and that privilege today. In Jesus' name we pray and let everybody say amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Prayer partners are here. If you need prayer as we close this service and worship, make your way forward and let us pray with you in Jesus' name.